Mike Broomhead, good morning. Good morning. You're going to have a rough drive home. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm in, I'm in a loner car. My car's in the shop. Oh, good. Then drive it like you stole it. No. The, the thing is, is that's my umbrella is yeah. in my oh, no. other car. Yeah. So it's going to be a wet ride. Well, we'll have we'll have Jim walk into your car and hold a, a jacket over your head or something. Oh, that would be so chivalrous. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, take it easy on the roads. They're, they're getting wet. All joking aside, we'll get you there safe. Keep tuned into the traffic reports all morning long. Looks like it's going to be a rainy day. Uh, we start this morning, um, and, and let me just mention, at 835, we're going to talk to Rachel Mitchell, the Maricopa County attorney. And we're going to talk with her about this challenge to the governor's decision to pause uh, capital punishment. Is this more about um, states' rights? Or not states' rights. I should separation of powers, or is this more specifically about the death penalty? Because she doesn't believe that the uh, the governor has the authority to do this. So we will talk with her at eight thirty five about that. But this district race, the two districts, uh, District Six and District Eight in the Phoenix City Council, is where I want to start. And for those of you that don't live in Phoenix, I still think there's some interest here. Now, I am a Phoenician, and the neighborhood I used to live in was in one of these races. I used to live in District 8. I used to, Carlos Garcia was my city councilman. Um, I've since moved. But um, when you look at these races, uh, you know maybe I'm speculating, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions too much. But you've got Kevin Robinson, who has won. He beat Sam Stone in District 6. Sam Stone was the chief of staff for Sal DiCicio. Kevin Robinson won pretty handily in this race. Now, um, I'm not in that district. I was not involved in the race in any way. I do know this, that when you look at uh, the demographics and, and the candidates, Kevin Robinson was a cop for a very, very long time. Um, so now we've got a former police officer elected to the Phoenix City Council. Now, would he is he going to vote or or champion for things exactly the way I would want? I, I don't know that that's the case. But if you look at the shift, probably the ideological shift that's coming to the Phoenix City Council, Carlos Garcia was an outspoken um Advocate for defunding the police. He would wear anti-police T-shirts to council meetings. And so, you know, there was a lot of concern within the Phoenix Police Department about city leadership. I've mentioned this before. I have, well, you know where I stand on so many different issues. I've had my differences. I continue to have my political differences with the mayor, uh, Mayor Gallego. But she has been, I've seen her on a number of occasions come out and say, we never have, we never will defund the police in the city of Phoenix. She's been supportive. I've been to a couple of events where I was the master of ceremony specifically for Phoenix PD. She was at those events as the keynote speaker. And now she came out and endorsed both of these candidates. Now, that's interesting as an incumbent in Carlos Garcia. And yet she endorsed the opponent. Is this a part of that? Am I making too much? Is this too much of a mountain out of a molehill here? Or are we going to see an ideological shift on the Phoenix City Council? I wonder how Phoenix PD feels this morning. You know, it's not a done deal uh, that, that, that Kesha Hodge Washington is one, but she is leading. So we'll see how that all ends up playing out. Sam Stone is already conceded in, in District 6, and um, that is going to be occupied now by a former law enforcement officer. Is it good for the city of Phoenix? Now, again, you know, um, I know Mr. Stone. I know Sam Stone uh, a little bit. But um, now that the race is over, we, we deal with what it is and not what it could have been or what we wanted it to be or anybody wanted it to be. But Kevin Robinson has won the race, and he is a former Phoenix police officer. Officer, and he won this race 
pretty handily. Is this a different attitude? Are we seeing people? Is this, I talk about the pendulum swinging. Is this the pendulum swinging in the other direction? Are we seeing the, the demise of the anti-police sentiment having a loud voice in the city of Phoenix? You remember the city of Phoenix, the, the, they have still funded and are still, they still have opened the Office of Accountability and Transparency. They call it OAT. That office is still open, although its powers have been diminished by the state. They are more of an advisory position now than an authoritative position, but they are still an office that is up and running in the city of Phoenix. And that was thought to by many people to be in response to the anti-police movement or the defund the police movement, that there would be an independent, although in these other advisory boards or these other boards that look at uh, police issues, there is civilian input. This one is solely civilian input. No law enforcement whatsoever on this board. And I was I was told by the director of OAT that they will, when they believe it's necessary, they will reach out to law enforcement to get their opinions on things, but they're, but they're not required to. Are we seeing a shift into another direction about policing or public safety as a whole? I continue to talk, and I, I'm going to try to shift what I say, because I certainly don't mean to put fire second. Public safety is a number one issue in my book, any office that you're in. I don't care if you're in the state legislature. I don't care if you're the governor. I don't care if you're on the city council or the county board of supervisors. Public safety is the number one issue of the people that spend our tax dollars. They should be fully funded. They should be fully equipped. They should be fully staffed. And we just aren't. And in the city of Phoenix, I am a Phoenician. In the city of Phoenix, we have a lot has gone by the wayside, and I think that needs to change. Having a voice like Kevin Robinson, a former police officer, that doesn't mean he's always going to agree with Phoenix PD. I would venture to say he probably won't all the time, but he has insight into what's truly necessary to, uh, from a funding standpoint. Now, at least from a policy standpoint, from a city, not an inner workings. Although he was assistant police chief. He is going to have some insight into public safety, and he is going to have decades of experience in it. Uh, one of the other things that he talked about was this: uh, uh, the ethics board. And I'm, I'm using the phrase I'm, I'm using the phraseology wrong. But one of the things that he said he wanted to take care of, if you remember, there was going to be like an ethics commission in the city of Phoenix, which they don't have. It was approved a long time ago by the city council, but it's never been propped up. And are they going to do that? So uh, that's the direction, one of the directions he says he wants to go. If this holds up and Carlos Garcia loses his seat in District 8, how different does the Phoenix City Council become? And it's an interesting look at the way cities are operating. I have maintained for a long time that as we should always individually, whether you're a business or whoever you are, learn from other people's mistakes or learn from other people's experiences, even if they're not mistakes. But if you follow and it's pretty consistent all the way across the board, every city in this country that has gone the defund the police route is suffering mightily from it and is trying to reverse it. You start in the Pacific Northwest and you go to all the way to the northeastern United States. There is a lot of criticism going toward Mayor Adams in New York City because of the mass exodus of New York City police officers. The one thing is, and, and why, and this is not a, again, it's not a slam against anybody else. When you, when you hear someone was with the NYPD, it carries a certain 
mystique about it, maybe reputation. And so officers that are living in New York where it's very expensive and it's tough to do your job when they had the mandates on vaccines and all of these other things that were going on. When you give them an opportunity and you say to them, like the governor of Florida did, Governor DeSantis did that, went around to major cities around the country and said, if you feel like you're disrespected in your city, if you feel as if you are not being treated well as a police officer in these major cities, Florida is open for business. Cost of living is much lower. You're going to have a much better quality of life. The winters are much better. Um, I was just, I don't know if any of you ever old remember the old TV show um, that was a, a documentary show. It was called the U.S. Marshals. It followed the U.S. Marshals around New York and in that area chasing down bad guys. And uh, there's a guy named Lenny DePaul that was the commander over the unit. Lenny and I are friends. And Lenny uh, and I were just texting yesterday. And he was saying, hey, enjoy that warm weather. Imagine if you are somebody that's a New York cop and you think, man, we could just, let's go to Phoenix. Let's go somewhere where the weather's nice. Let's go somewhere where we're respected for the job we do. I'm just wondering if that change is coming. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, the Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell is going to join us. We're going to talk with Ms. Mitchell about the challenge to the governor's decision to pause the death penalty. It's coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um, The governor of Arizona decided she was going to pause the uh, capital punishment or the death penalty until she investigated how the process was handled. Um, And now the Maricopa County attorney is challenging that, saying the governor does not have that authority. The county attorney, uh, Rachel Mitchell, joins us now. Ms. Mitchell, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good morning. Um, let's talk about uh, originally when this first when the, this was first announced, you made an announcement that seemed to be supportive of the investigation. Is this a change in that policy? Did you see something happen that made you now go in a different direction or is this just different? No, this a uh, couple of different things. One is I, I expressed an understanding that they were new to their offices and wanted to be sure because this is the most serious thing that we do. Um, but then what happened was uh, Gunches, the, the warrant of execution had been requested already by the previous attorney general. Um, we didn't see any sort of movement on the issue for a month after that press conference. And then there was somebody appointed, but we weren't given a timeline. And the bottom line is uh, the victims have a right to a disposition in this case. And they've been waiting uh, for over 20 years since the execution of Ted Price in this case. When you um, is this about capital punishment or is this about kind of the separation of powers that, the, that in your because in your statement, you're saying you don't believe the governor has the power to do this? To me, this is about the rule of law. Um, Arizona law does have the death penalty, and the the rules were followed to get to that point. Um, He was sentenced to death. He has run through his appeals. And if there is going to be any sort of change in his sentence, there is a procedure for that. It has to go through the executive clemency board. That hasn't happened, and there is no provision in Arizona's law for one person, even the governor, to unilaterally decide, I'm not going to do that. 
And how quickly will the Arizona State Supreme Court take this up and make this decision? Well, um, they've set a very, very quick briefing schedule, um, and I think because of the nature of the, the timeline that we're dealing with here, the date of execution has been set for April 6th, um, that they will have to make a decision very, very quickly. Maricopa County Attorney Rachel Mitchell is joining us. Have you had any conversations about any of this with the governor or people in her office? I have not talked to the governor. Uh, I did actually have a scheduled meeting with uh, the attorney general on the day that this was uh, this pause was announced. And, uh, you know, it was a very cordial conversation. And but I did express to her my focus on the rights of the victims in the state. And, you know, I, I attended the last execution, the one of Mr. Hooper last or late last year. And I described for her the situation and I did not have any concerns uh, that there was any, you know, I, I keep hearing the phrase botched execution. It was not a botched execution. He was, in fact, laughing through mo- most of the procedure. Um, I did not see any indication that he was in any discomfort or pain. There was a slight uh, delay to get actually a smaller needle, as the medical technician described it, so that it would hurt less. Um, so that was the way that that was carried out. And, um, you know, I don't have the concerns that that the executions are being carried out in, in some sort of uh, cruel or, or unconstitutional way. Um, it has got to be one of the most it's got to be the most difficult decision that your office makes is whether to seek the death penalty. Can you give a little bit of an explanation as to what that criteria is for you to seeking the death penalty in a case? Absolutely. We review every case where first-degree murder is charged that was committed by an adult. Um, Obviously, we don't have the death penalty for people who committed a crime as a juvenile. And that is thoroughly vetted out. We reach out to the defense. We ask them for any information that would weigh against uh, the death penalty being sought. And um, I get a recommendation from senior attorneys in my office. Ultimately, the decision is mine. But there has to be the presence of uh, a factor, an aggravating factor. Those are specifically listed out in the law. And then my, I am looking for the worst of the worst. So the vast majority of cases, we do not seek the death penalty. Um, but there are some cases that definitely call for it. In this situation, we're talking about somebody that took someone out to the desert and executed him and then uh, shot a police officer two times uh, in an effort to get away from law enforcement. And didn't this person, didn't he also, didn't this Gunches, didn't he also ask to be executed to expedite his execution? He actually did. And as a matter of fact, just last week, um, filed a request to be transferred to Texas, which, of course, is not possible because, as he said, they still carry out their sentences there that he wants that to happen. Uh, and, and this may be a question that, that is completely ignorant, and I apologize that I don't know the answer. Does a does someone's criminal history play into whether or not the death penalty is sought, or is it specifically about the nature of the crime they've been, they've been convicted of in this case? We look at the whole package, and that includes the criminal history uh, or lack of criminal history. Uh, both of those are important to me. But ultimately, there has to be an aggravating factor that's listed in the law, um, such, and it has to be a certain type of, you know, felony 
criminal in their criminal history that would constitute one of those aggravating factors. Um, but there are others as well, such as um, if they murdered the person in a particularly uh, cruel or heinous way. So, you know, one could argue that any death would be that way, but, but there are definitely ones that stand out from the rest um, in, in far, as far as how they're carried out. You, you said earlier, you, you talked about the families deserving justice, and it's been over 20 years. Is there a way, or do you believe it should be expedited that uh, these appeals processes are keeping this wound open for the fi- uh, victims' families? Is there a way to speed this process up and still make sure we're doing it the right way? You know, I think there are a number of things to look at. Um, just this past uh, year, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court um, made a, a, a tiny step in that direction. It's certainly not going to speed it up a lot, but I think there are some things that can be looked at. But it, it has gotten to the point where the, the uh, execution that I attended of Mr. Hooper, um, I'm 55 years old. I remember that crime because, as you know, I'm, I'm homegrown. I was 13 years old when that crime was committed. That's ridiculous. And that the wife of and daughter of the two victims has had to wait that long. Yeah, it is. It's it's it seems to be that being cruel in and of itself. I appreciate the time this morning as always. And we look forward to seeing how this all plays out. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. That is Rachel Mitchell. She is our county attorney in Maricopa County. Coming up in a moment, Gatos is going to join me. And it's our big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. Hey, good morning. How's it going today? Good. Nice rainy day outside. Yeah, I'm done with the rain. Let's bring on the heat. I'm tired of this. I'm with you. I'm I'm ready. I'm wondering what this is going to do to the spring training schedule today. Might uh, cancel some of these games for sure. They're probably going to cancel them all, right? You're not going to take a chance on somebody getting hurt. I think they should go out and play, for crying out loud. They're <laughs> athletes. You know? I, I get hurt. I still play softball on Friday nights. These guys can go out. They make millions of dollars a year. Go out and play in the rain. Well, what's, no one will come, but... What's your softball you know. contract paying you? Uh, zero. Zero. All right. Zero. Okay. I just figure I figure it's safer than your sport of bull riding. <laughs> That is my, I love that sport so much. I know you do. How about college basketball? Here's the cue today. You ready? Let's hear it. Will you be gambling on March Madness? Are you throwing down some cash? No. Are you doing some bra- I'm going to fill out a bracket, but I'm not going to bet any money. Well, you're an American. That's not right. That's not just, what we do. We all gamble on. Why wouldn't you gamble on I don't know now? anything about college basketball. You don't have to know anything about it. Yes, I do. You no, you have to know nothing. You just pick the pick the games, do your best. Listen, you could you could go by seed. You can pick the higher seed every I've, single time. I've worked here long enough to know that if and when, because it would happen, you beat me in the brackets, I'll never oh. hear the end of it. Yeah. Well, that's why I want you to get into this because I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I know you are. You, I've heard you know about your, I've heard about your reputation in this dumb thing. You know how, who my favorite college basketball player is? Who? I have no idea. I don't know a single freaking one. 
I don't know one. I don't know one basketball player that I'm going to do. And all I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to cheat. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to cheat. I'm going to cheat to win. You know, sometimes I'll buy somebody's bracket if they're doing well in yep. the middle of the whole tournament. I'll yep. buy it for like twenty bucks, and then uh, I'll roll the rest of the way. I, I just find a way to win, Mike. That's how I roll. Good for you. I I, I uh, do think that's that's hilarious that you don't know any more than I do, and you still win every uh, year. Yeah, I thought you would like this kind of stuff. I do like it. I fill out a bracket. I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I, I am too much of an emotional person. So I don't do, That's, I don't fill out a bracket with my head. I'll do it with my heart. All right. Well, you're no fun then. I, well, that's true. We Boy, all know that. First, yesterday, you're, you're ripping on Taylor Swift, you know. I didn't rip on Taylor like Swift. Her. I just said, I'm, just, I didn't. I said, I'm just, I'm not a hater. It's just not I my heard thing. The, I heard the word hate. I hate Taylor Swift. <laughs> She's garbage. And then all of a sudden today, we're like, hey, let's play March Madness brackets. No, I don't want to do that. Jeez, man. I we got to find something fun for you to do. Thanks, Gatos. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for, man. Thanks for okay. the pick me up. You got it. <laughs> all right. The Big Q poll question today is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up, we're going to talk about us being on the verge of a major conflict, possibly, with Russia.